Thank you for having me. I'm very honored to be here today. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And uh, it's a very interesting story that you have. Susan, you were only four and six growing up on a farm in Iowa when you had your NDEs. What caused them and what did you see? Um, the cause was um, I had ruptured hernias um, and uh, obviously then went and underwent uh, you know, life-saving surgeries. Um, the experience themselves, um, the first thing I, you know, I went into this, you know, just be absolutely beautiful garden with massive trees and wildflowers and just all kinds of um, little animals that seemed to be just, you know, running around. And under one of the trees were three of my own personal angels. Um, it, you know, the first thing that happened was one of them kind of like knelt down in front of me because they were, they're just massive. You know, my dad's six foot tall and they just seemed to be like almost double that. Mm just massive. Um, so one of them knelt down to me and the communication was telepathic. Um, but, but yeah, and I know I've, you know, I've read a few other near death experiences, you know, only one or two really, but, uh, everybody seems to talk about a life review, but because I was so young, I did not experience that. Um, they literally just asked me if I wanted to see the world through the animal's eyes. And I just kind of went from animal to animal after that. Oh, wow. What a, what a great invitation. Well, tell us what, what does the world look like through uh, different animals eyes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, a blade of blades of grass, you know, a field of grass can end up being a forest depending on what <laughs> animal you're experiencing. Yeah. Uh, and the freedom of it was just amazing. What animals were you in? Um, the, yeah, I'm sure I don't recall absolutely every detail. Um, I remember, you know, things like, you know, um, my, mice, rabbit, um, probably something that felt like a turtle. Mm. Um, yeah, they started with animals that I was familiar with growing up on the farm. Did you get any sea life out of that? Did you, were you um, in the dolphin? second one? In the second one, I did. Um, I don't, if I did on the first one, I don't recall it, but I do recall that um, in the second one um, where I did go in, you know, was swimming in the sea and, you know, starting with small animals going to larger and larger and ending in what I, I believe was a blue whale. Mm. And, yeah, I was swimming in the ocean, and then all of a sudden, I was swimming in space. Wow. Um, and from there, I was, you know, it's almost like I was still in the body of the whale and experienced the, from their viewpoint, but it's like I watched myself and two other beings, you know, kind of at that moment of creation when the souls are created, and I saw... Th myself and two others being kind of that we, we were on our way to experience the angelic realms and we were pulled aside and asked, um, to experience, um, you know, more 3d life in what they, they actually use the word planet creator. Uh, uh, to be honest, I don't fully understand what that means, but, um, they showed me the, you know, what, what the world would be like if I did. And what would the world would be like if I did not? The other two beings did go on to the angelic realms. I obviously did not. Mm. 
So if you did, in fact, participate in the creation, is that what what you mean? I believe so, but to be honest, I'm not fully sure because I don't recall that piece of what I was shown during that because I was looking at it from the outside at that moment. And when you were in the animal, say you were in a mouse and, and the, mm-hmm. the blades of grass look probably like trees themselves, were you experiencing the uh, mouse's brain patterns or were you observing that as well from the outside? I think I was, observ- I was observing that from the outside. Mm-hmm. So you could see both through the mouth, the, the mouse eyes, and at the same time understand it through your own intellect. Yes, though the uh, intellect of a child. Yes, that's right. And you had you you had told me you had a a special interest in animals when you were growing up. Um, um yeah, I just yeah, growing up, I was just like I was notorious for if there was a nest of rabbits or mice or snakes or or birds, whatever, I was notorious for finding those and just very gently playing with them and allow them to, you know, crawl all over my hands and, you know, arms and stuff and and then would just very gently put them back where I found them. Wow. I wonder if you uh, you have any indication that you might have been reincarnated from from an animal? Um, to be honest, I never thought about that. It's it's very possible. I think souls choose to experience um, many different types of lives. Mm. And the angels apparently knew this. This was a fascination <laughs> of yours for them to even offer to, to give you mm-hmm. this experience. Yeah, it's almost like they were just trying to occupy me, um, but yet give me and put me in a, in a place where I felt very safe mm. and very comfortable. Did they tell you you were going to go back to your body or did it just happen it just happened when you know at some point after the surgery was complete and it was time for my body to wake back up after the i don't recall waking up after the first one but the second one i do um i remember my one of my grandmothers being in the room at the time and at first she didn't notice that i was awake and i looked over and she was actually reading a national geographic and it was the one with um, that actually had the Giza Plateau on the front. And, you know, I don't remember, you know, recall ever seeing a picture of that before, but she, she noticed I was awake when I asked, where's the rest of them? And then, of course, she asked, you know, the rest of what? <laughs> <laughs> and and- you know, did, yeah, did you now, mean the pyramids? So. Yes, I did. And um, you know, now they have actually found what they believe be foundations for other pyramids on the plateau. But that's yeah. just been discovered here in the last few years. Well, the Sphinx was under practically buried in sand when uh, when it was first discovered. Mm-hmm. So that uh, there could be there's probably tons of stuff that they're going to dig down and find. Eventually, uh, yes, they will. That's, uh, I was in the Great Pyramid uh, several years ago. It's quite, a, quite an experience. Um, why do you suppose we need three angels? Yeah, they, that, they haven't specifically told me, but I know that they do like to do things in threes. You know, and there are some people that have more than three, but everybody has a minimum of three from what I have seen. Mm. And, and it's their sole duty to keep an eye on us? Um, yeah, um, 
to keep an eye on us and to help us learn all the different things and experience all the different things that we wanted to experience in this lifetime. We actually make a plan with them um, ahead of time. So they help us to plan out our, like you, like you say, uh, the, your original blueprint. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Now you said they're tall, maybe 12, 15 feet tall. Um, pre- yeah, 12, 15, sometimes even 18. Um, I think that is the space that they feel the most comfortable in. Um, but yeah, when I'm in a space, you know, drawing, you know, say for example, somebody's angel portrait and, you know, I live in an apartment with like a 10 foot ceiling. Yeah, they are going, you know, going to proportion themselves into the space. So they can size their, um, yeah, it's, they're their beings appearance. made of light. They're made yes. out of pure light and when they're in their more natural state. But there was a, the, the beautiful garden you were in uh, had gigantic trees in it as well, didn't it? You, you said yeah. it was, they were like, like redwoods. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, they were just, yeah, massive. Um, and it, yeah, even the angels weren't able to reach the branches. The trees were so big. Wow. And, you know, I find it also, just to go back for a second, interesting that you had noticed all these animals because almost everyone that, that gets that far in a near-death experience experiences a beautiful garden and they talk about radiant flowers and, and so, and, you know, perhaps a brook or a river, but they hardly ever mention animals unless they're, unless they spot one of their own deceased pets, which occurs. But this was the, this was unique because you saw lots of animals running around. Yeah, I grew up on a farm and there were lots of animals around. Yeah. Um, my father was, you know, raised, um, raised hogs. My uncle just up the street, raised cattle. We had horses. Yeah. There was, you know, in my world, there were just animals everywhere. Wow. Now, when you woke up and there was your grandmother reading the National Geographic, did you tell her what you'd seen? I don't, at that time, no, I did not. I'm, you know, it took time for me to even, I think, develop the words to try and share my experience but it was still, you know, to try and ex- convey that to an adult and to make them understand is extremely difficult for a child. Mm. Well, I think you mentioned in our in an earlier conversation with with me that uh, your stepfather had almost an angry response, said, "Stop your stories and your lies." Yeah. After a while, he did. Um, I think I was probably about seven when he did that. When he said that at a dinner table one evening. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was trying to say, you know, you know, because the only way I could convey what I had experienced was to say, you know, when I was a snake, when I was a rabbit, and they didn't, you know, understand what I was trying to convey, and I didn't have the words to convey it either. Hmm. Wow, did that stop you from telling other people about what you'd experienced? Um, I did. I just quit talking about it for years. I was probably well into my thirties before I even, you know, spoke about it to anyone else. Wow, what a loss! I mean, it would have been fascinating to other children, for instance, you know, if you'd told, been able to tell them about what it's like to be a snake or a rabbit. Um, of course, they might not have believed you either. That's always the. <laughs> That's always the risk an NDE or has in trying to tell their tell their story 
uh, to yes, people. Yes, it is. Um, the uh, other thing you said about that experience was that uh, you felt ex- when you were in the garden, you felt accepted for exactly who I am without ex- expectations and with pure love. Um, was that a huge contrast to life here at that um, time? Yeah, like any parent, um, you know, many parents, we we want the best for our kids. So we sometimes unintentionally um, put expectations on them. That feeling of pure love, did you... Um, were you able to think back on that? I mean, in moments of insecurity, did you? Um, yeah, a, a... I have been at different times. Yeah. Wow, and that probably kept you um, on online with uh, with your angels as well, because it would be something to call on them for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know as yeah as I as I lived on the farm until I was fourteen, and you know. One of my safe places to go when I was done with my daily chores was to take my book and a radio and go and sit by the creek. And yeah, I think that was because it was that was the closest I could get to getting back to that feeling and to back to that place. Now you said you were you stayed in touch with your angels after um, this. Yes, and, I was you, able to see them all the time. Did they come to you, or did you ask? to see them or how did that communication take place? It was, they were just there. They never left my side. Like, like you, like your invisible friend when you're a child. Um, Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Three invisible friends. They are just, they are very, you know, transparent, but, uh, you know. No, I think. They are, for me, they were constantly present. Now I think I asked you uh, if if they had names, and you told me that angel names take fifteen minutes to pronounce. Yeah, Tell about, about fifteen that. to twenty minutes to pronounce their full name. Um, so, like when I do an angel portrait for someone, they spell for me a piece of that. Um, and the pronunciation then is totally up to you. Um, there's no right or wrong. If you want to abbreviate it further, that's okay too. Um, and I never um, ask that you, pr- you know, they pronounce it for me because mm. I don't need that. But there is some sort of connection that does seem to take place. <laughs> Magic is the closest word I would I can think of to that describes that, you know, when they pronounce it for the first time. Mm. And your angels, did they have wings or not? Um, they have what we would think of as wings. They do have an energetic pattern that seems to come out of out of the spine. That each one is seems to be a little bit different, They're almost like fingerprints. And, you know, and as many portraits as I've done over the last twenty some years, um, I have seen some similarities, but never even exactly alike. You know, even when I've done portraits for identical twins. It's like the colors were reversed from each other. Mm-hmm. So there's, are there's these always a- something different. Is there some sort of um, uh, equivalent to a genetic connection? As a, there's a genetic connection between, especially identical twins. Is there a? Do you feel like there's a genetic connection between you and your angels? Um, I wouldn't put it that way, but because uh, from my understanding, 
Um, angels, it is extremely rare that they have ever taken physical form. Hmm. There are some biblical references to angels. Um, so. Yes, there are. Um, visit, visit, visit. Like you know, um, Elijah, for example, um, is an angel that took physical form, from my understanding. Yes. Let me uh, let me ask you, and I I know I asked you this once uh, before, but for our audience's sake, um, I interviewed a woman who also had a, an angel companion almost constantly for quite a long time in her life, but she called him an alien. Do you what do you see as a difference between? Uh, is it just a difference in words, or what? Yeah, how you, I think. How would you yeah, describe that? I think it is really just a difference in words because they're multidimensional beings. And within, you know, what we as humans refer to as aliens, they would fall under that category. But yeah, they are just, they exist in a slightly different frequency than ours. Mm. Well, t tell me about the, your understanding. I, I know you're into this, the whole frequency thing because of the mandalas and the, and the um, mm -hmm. and the and the music scale is it a six note scale the sol solfeggio um, um, uh, vibration? Uh, my understanding um, there are nine sets of nine frequencies, all based on that Pythagorean math. Ah, uh, okay. But mm -hmm. this is also the basis for um, gr medieval Gregorian chant music. Yes, yes. Um, mm -hmm. The church. Um, claims to have lost the frequencies at some point in the 1600s. Um, I, my understanding and my belief is they that was an intentional that they set those frequencies aside because they could not control the experiences that people were having um, by listening to those frequencies. Wow. And the angels, are they expressed in these same frequencies when you see them as light? Um, the names that they they have um, their true names are spoken or actually, I think toned would be a more proper word. Um, it is the South Asia frequencies that they use to communicate with each other. Ah, and is it, have you heard them communicate with each other? Um, yes, I have. Um, it, is I'm it still musical? waiting for somebody to help me interpret that. <laughs> <laughs> it, does it sound like tones or music or um, how would you yeah, describe it's, it? It's very similar to um, toning or chanting. Ah, and it's and it's audible as opposed to um, mental or or is it uh, something you hear? Um, it it is more mental with your mind with your mind. Mm, it is more mental. Hmm. Mm hmm. Perhaps you could talk a little about uh, the mandalas that you're that you've been doing as art, and and what they represent uh, vibrationally. Um, yeah, um, when I create those mandalas, I do listen to that specific frequency as I'm creating it, um, and then the information about what it can help you, you know, because each tone can help you do different things and help assist you. Um, so a lot of that information is channeled with the exception of the earthly frequencies because they were already very well known and have been studied quite a bit. It is the other eight sets that are really not very well known or very, very or studied very much. Um, 
but you know, once I understood and you know, in the research that I did that there were actually nine sets, I it was just outside of my nature to not complete that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be uh, an awesome undertaking, I would think. Yeah, it was um, an eight-year project because each mandala took me, you know, anywhere from thirty to forty-five hours to complete. From you know, from setting and doing the initial line drawing, to you know, and then to coloring it and channeling the information that goes with that. Now you had said, um, I think that um, you were able to um, not not see all the angels as fifteen uh, foot tall creatures, but you said um, you were able to. Uh, tune down <laughs> the image that you were getting to, and, uh, and yeah. you compared it to a constantly moving uh, image similar to glitter in a snow globe. Yeah, um, yeah just because, you know, doing simple things like going to the grocery store on a daily basis you know, and seeing everybody's angels, you know, all the time in their full form was, you know, it, it was kind of overwhelming to see that all the time. So my way of kind of turning the volume down, so to speak, was, you know, having them help me and teach me how to um, see them just as like, you know, different size spheres of color that's, you know, constantly moving. And that is real, fairly similar to, you know, a snow globe. Hmm. When you're out in a crowd and you're aware of, of say, you're, say you're in the mall if mm-hmm. there's such a thing as a mall where, well, of course, you're not living on an Iowa farm anymore. Right. But, <laughs> um, do you see any communication or even a recognition between the angels and different people? Um, sometimes I do, not always, but I have seen that, yes. So if an angel for Joe sees a, a, fr- a friend angel who's with Jack, they might greet each other or yes, sometimes smile or, or radiate mm-hmm. some in some way. Yes. I wonder what, a, I mean, there are supposedly seven to eight billion people in the world. So you're talking about 24 billion angels if everyone has all three the, angels. Oh, but there's way more than that. And their functions are so focused on, I mean, three angels per person that seems mm-hmm. it seems yeah, and like many that. of us have more than that you know it's like the more work you have to do the more things you're here to experience um you know the more that you could have you could potentially have with you why don't they actively maybe they do help us more actively than we perceive it but it seems like you know there are an awful lot of people for instance who wind up killing themselves out of loneliness and despair where are the angels uh, to help them when they need need it the most? Yeah, because we have ignored them for so long, they sometimes, you know, will choose just to step back. Um, so they, you know, if you want to communicate and want your angels to talk to you, the first thing you should do is talk to them. And they're friends, so talk to them like they're friends. Mm. I you know, I am at one point in... You know, and I was literally had a journal that all I wrote in there was, you know, talk when I was talking to my angels. And sometimes it was, you know, ranting after a tough day at work or, yeah, you know, it was. So it wasn't always, you know, 
all love and light. You know, it was, you know, I talked to him about anything and everything. Mm. You know, went through a difficult divorce. Um, you know, I vented and released and let go. But, you know, they helped me do that and they helped me let go mm. and to help me, you know, learn how to forgive. Of course, you're much more aware of them because you can see their presence. Mm-hmm. But for someone who who can't see them or hasn't learned how to see them, they um, it might it might seem to them a little crazy to be talking out loud or or thinking intensely to an angel that you're not even sure is there. Well, how do you, they're how always do you, there. How do you suggest now? You you help people who come to you and want a, a drawing of their angel or um, mm-hmm. to, to also communicate. How do you how do you do that? Um, a lot of times they'll show me like snapshots of pictures, um, even if there's say you know for example a a, a book that they want would like um, if they feel that that person would be helped by, they'll show me a flash of you know the cover of that book. Yeah, so yeah, they that's a way they communicate with me to help you know relay messages as you know best I can, and they're like people. Some angels are more talkative than others. That's very interesting. Do you have many people come to you and say uh, they they would like to have you draw an, an angel for them? Um, I, yes, I do. Uh, yeah, on a re- fairly regular basis. Um, yeah, and then I do have it set up on my website so people can literally just you know go ahead even set up a time and an appointment because I yeah, I'm able to do it um, through Zoom. Yeah, the most important thing, as long as I can see a person's eyes. Um, before we had things like Zoom, I have learned to do it um, from photograph as well. Hmm. But yeah, I'm just not as called to do that as often now as I was at one time. Now that we have, you know, Zoom is so much easier. It's so convenient. Um, yes. As well as, a, you know, a, and if Zoom doesn't work for somebody, I can use Skype or whatever technology works best for both of us. Now, Susan, you have four children. Uh, are yes. you from, familiar with their angels? Um, I have seen them. Yes, um, I'm still. My my daughter has asked me to draw hers, but my three sons, I'm still waiting for them. <laughs> <laughs> do they do they accept this gift of yours, or do they are they um, dubious? To be honest, it's something we just don't talk about a lot. Hmm. Gee, I would I would be. If I were your son, I'd be after you all the time to talk about it. <laughs> but of course, that's that's my own particular interest in in the other side. Yeah, uh, you know, one of my sons is still a farmer today on a farm. Uh, um, he's fourth generation farmer on a farm on his dad's side. Wow, in Iowa. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, two of my sons live in Iowa, and then uh, son and daughter live here in Kansas City. And uh, grandchildren? Um, I have four. Um, the older two boys, um, yeah, uh, are married and have. Um, I have four grandchildren at this point. Have you ever talked to the children about? Uh, oh, briefly. Say, say yeah, being an animal, what it's like to be a, a rabbit. Um, now that I have not talked to him about, I've talked to him a little bit about. You know, mentioned that grandma sees things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's great. That's great, Susan. I'm, I'm unfortunately we seem to be out of time once again. The time goes so quickly. Yes, it does. Uh, 
on this show especially. Please please tell the listeners how they can find your website if in case they'd be interested in having an angel drawing or to see your mandalas, which are quite beautiful, by the uh, way. Thank you. Um, yeah, my uh, website is susanwalterart.com, and you can uh, find links there to um, some of my social media, Facebook, Instagram, and uh, with the crazy things going on in the world right now, the censorship, um, I am looking at some other platforms, and that will all be on Facebook, you know, posted on my website as well. Very good. Well, Susan, thank you so much for sharing your story of your experiences and your visions and your artistic talent and the communications, all of the things we were talking about just now. Um, it was thank an you honor. so much. It thank was you. great to have you. 